You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. Miss Ann has struck a chord with me and with us as a church on the spirit of excellence. Excellence. I don't know if you all saw it, but I saw it. And I saw Craig Northcutt walk down this aisle. I don't know why it went all over me today, but the presence of God just permeated my mind, my heart, everything. And I watched him determined to bring his worship, bring his offering to God. Laid out his energy, laid out his heart, poured out everything he had just to walk down that aisle and give it. Without a cane, praise God. Now let's say, his walk right this minute from what we see isn't excellent yet. But he's doing the best he can with what he has. You understand that? And that's, what, that's the definition I want to give excellence today. Doing the best you can with what you have. You know, you may not have everything that somebody else has. There's no place in the body of Christ for covetousness. We don't want what they have. We just want to do the best we can with what we have. Amen. Be the very best. Be the very best you can be for your own sake, for your own life's sake, for your congregation's sake, for your church's sake, for your family's sake. Just be the best you can be. Amen. Just be the best you can be. Amen. With what you have. Given that, I I think it's just kind of amazing where we are in this For the Record series. We're picking up with number 26 of these 33 things now. Remember, I elongated it because I've added to it as I've been studying these things. I said it was 32, there's 33. But we're at number 26 today, and I'm going to give you about four of these, all of them having to do with the excellent spirit. Miss Ann read that from Daniel 5, is it, honey? Daniel chapter 5. Number 26 here on our list is agape, that is God's love, comes from God, not men. Is this too deep? One of the most loving people you'll ever meet is a woman named Tamara. Tamara sits right here. I love the way Tamara loves. I love that. And I have Tamara in my thoughts oftentimes, praying for her. Miss Ann and I pray for all of you. So in some sense, she is kind of in me because I think about her and I think about how she, she's had her own struggles and how she walks by faith, like very few people I know. Walks by faith, calls herself healed when, when sometimes it doesn't look so healed. But she is healed. But I can't operate in Tamara's love. Now, I want you to understand something. 
She loves Pastor John. I know that. I, can, I have experienced her love. Everybody unfollow, follow me? You following this? I'm trying to get you to see God's love. You have experienced God's love. You have God's love as a possession. But I'm not one that is going to tell you you need to operate in God's love. I don't think that's really possible. God can love through people through you. Love people through you. There's no question about that. And they can experience God's love through something you do. But that's not what 1 Corinthians is talking about when it, when it teaches us. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Please, let's turn there. I want you to see something. God's love does not come from you. God's love comes from God. Glory to God. God's love comes from God. It does not come from you. I've heard this most of my life as a believer. In church, they said, you're nothing unless you love people like God loves them. That's how they read this. They read it and said, you, you're nothing unless you love people like God loves them. That's not what that said. Listen to what it says. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also, you have, oh, whoa, whoa, that's 15, 13. We need 13. Yeah, that's one of my favorite ones too. By the way, I really like that one. We'll get to that eventually. 13 one. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, that's the word, the word there in the Greek is agape, God's kind of love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not, have not agape, I'm nothing. Now listen, let's stop right there. I looked this up. Every time it talks about me having love, it is the word the, or possession. That I possess God's love. I possess God's love. That's means, that means I have God's love for me. I possess this girl's love right here. I don't operate in her love. I can't give her love to anybody else. But I possess her love, and because I possess her love, then I act like I'm loved. The difference between where you're going to experience love from anybody is if that person knows they're first loved. Here's how First John put it. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us first. You understand, is in the book of Revelation, it says, I'm rebuking you because you've left your first love. Well, what is your first love? That God loved you. We, we, we've become so stinking legalistic about the word, about, even about love. Religion even becomes legalistic about love. Won't let you enjoy just being loved by God. It turns this scripture on its ear and makes it all about how you operate. You see the difference between grace and law? When your mind is defiled by law, you'll turn the most gracious passage like this into a legalistic passage. Saying, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta operate in love. That doesn't say that at all. It just says without you having experienced and possessing God's love for you, you're nothing. And that's the truth. You follow me? 
I'm here to tell you today, you are loved. You are deeply, richly, passionately, unconditionally loved by God. And then it doesn't matter who doesn't love you. In fact, they can even hate you, and you can still be loved and know you're loved. And when you know you're loved and they hate you, you don't hate them back. When you know you're loved, when you've experienced God's love and possessed God's love for you, nothing moves you. You understand this? I don't care what women think about me. As long as I got one woman thinking good stuff about me. Praise God. I leave the house. I don't dress so other people can look at me. When I leave my house, first thing I do is I say, honey, how do I look? I just care that she thinks it looks okay. You understand this? Because I know I'm loved. And I know if I don't look right, she'll say, you ain't leaving this house looking like that. (laughs) Because it's a reflection on her. (laughs) You hear this? It's a reflection on God if his kids act like they're not loved. It's a reflection on the Lord if, if we act like we're not loved. Glory to God. Am I helping you yet? You will have an excellent spirit when you know you're loved. All through this. I want you to read 1 Corinthians 13 with me real quick. We're just going to read through it. And I'm going to make a little comment just to adjust your thinking. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not received or possess not the, the love of God for myself, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Read on. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and, all, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not receive the love of God for myself, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not received the love of God for myself. Understand that? Possess, have not. Possess not for me. It profits me nothing. That's what that passage says. Not one time does it even indicate that we're supposed to be operating in this love. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't operate in the love of God. I'm saying when you are fully loved, you will act that way. You, the love of God will flow through you. It's not something that God's commanding you to do. It's something He's liberating you to do. But we run right past the part about us receiving God's love for ourselves. I say that all sin comes out of people not knowing that they're loved. All barbaric acts come out of people that, because people that know they're loved, they don't think there are conspiracies against them. Emperors and kings would act differently if they knew their people loved them. But they always think somebody's trying to get them. That's why they, that's why they get them first. That's why tyrants do what they do, because they don't think they're loved. Especially if they got their power the wrong way. They know there's always underlying movements trying to overthrow them. So they attack first. They look like horrible blood-sucking villains, and they are. But really, that same essence is in everybody who feels unloved. And it shouldn't it be that the body of Christ and that the five-fold ministry are agents and pinnacles and citadels and loud voices for the love of God to the world? Shouldn't it be that the church is known as a place where God's love is poured out profusely, too much. I hear people, 
I hear preachers who don't understand this at all, don't understand this at all. You, they hear preaching like I'm preaching right here to you, they'll say, oh, that's just sloppy agape. <laughs> Any amount of agape sloppy to these people. Greasy grace. Any amount of grace is greasy to them. They don't even know what grace is. Which makes you wonder if they're saved. This is, how, this is what grace is. This is what love really is. It really is completely and totally irrevocably unconditional. God, well, Holler, you don't really think you deserve all that. No, I know I don't deserve it. It wouldn't be grace if I deserved it. It'd be payment if I deserved it. All right. Glory to God. Pardon me. I, that, that turns my crank. Eh? I know it's awful cold for this kind of stuff, but I enjoy it. Number 27, let's move along. I want you to get this truth. Holiness can only be accomplished through the Holy Spirit. All else is just man-made religion. Holiness can only be accomplished through the Holy Spirit. All else is just man-made religion. Do you understand that holiness is born out of the Spirit that you've been given? It's not you trying to measure up to a standard, which is what we've always been taught. We have standards. Grow this out, cut that off, do this on Sunday and don't do that. Instead of emphasizing what makes us holy is not how we act, but the Spirit in us. His first name is Holy. Holy Spirit. Everything else we do is just fig leaf religion. We just sow it on from the outside. Any holiness that, that, that is put on from the outside is man-made. Fig leaf can be spelled in an acronym. Now listen, I, I use the fig leaf for two things. First, I use the fig leaf to describe how men, what the issues that men deal with, which I was taught by a man by the name of Carol Thompson what men deal with on the inside. I have a new one for it being a false religion. But the first one is how, what you deal with on the inside as a fallen man, you know, fear, insecurity, guilt, loneliness, exile, anxiety, and frustration. Those never were supposed to be part of your life. But the fig leaf of religion is this. Fear, sin consciousness. Fear, which is born out of sin consciousness. And all of religion is, is based, all of man-made religion is based in fear. They hit you with fear first. And it's about being sin conscious. Rather than righteousness conscious, religion, most of religion is sin conscious. Insecurity, still, still one of the main points. And that's, a, that's, that's those people who have this works emphasis. This works emphasis. They feel like if they don't do the works all the time, they're going to lose their salvation and go to hell. Like they could be unborn again, again. Third, guilt. These are people who are repentance oriented. They live their lives beating themselves up and in a constant state of repentance. And by that, I, I don't mean the changing of the mind like you're doing right now. I'm talking about they're always living in constant sorrow because they feel like they never, ever measure up. So constant repentance and going to see the guy in the, in the confession booth and so forth. Most of religion is based around that. And by the way, Pentecostals, Charismatics, Baptists, Methodists can be just like the Catholics in that. 
The L stands for legalism here. Legalism, law-oriented. Fear, insecurity, guilt, legalism. Law-oriented. All man-made religions are law-oriented. They're not spirit-oriented. The E in the fig leaf is elitism. That is elitism. They begin to think they're the, ones with the, the only ones with the truth, and they build denominations. What comes out of elitism is denominationalism, and they build walls to try to keep their elite status intact, keep impurities out by, build, by writing bylaws. Idiots. The A in fig leaf... The A in fig leaf is apocalyptic, uh, or is anger. Let me, let me say it, it actually stands for anger, but the anger of religion often is, is, is fueled by apocalyptic literature. You'll hear, you'll hear at least one sermon a month on the end of time and the wrath of God, and there's, they act like the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel is only two books in the Bible. Forget Paul's revelation. Everybody know what I'm talking about? You probably used to attend that church. Scare people to death, they're going to miss the rapture all the time. If there is one, if you make the rapture at all, then, then you've got seven years of tribulations coming on you bad. I'm not saying, I'm not, saying, I'm not taking a stance on any of that. I mean, I have, I have an apocalyptic doctrine, but how often do you hear me talk about it? You see, <laughs> I think you need to be aware of those things, but my goodness, the Bible is far more than the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. But religion wants to emphasize those things and keep the people terrified all the time. Remember? Okay? False religion, I mean. And then the last one, the last F in fig leaf is fantasy or falsehoods. Falsehoods of fantasy. I'll just say it that way. Which, means, which has to do with twisted doctrines. Doctrines they just make up. For the churches oftentimes, you know, that, that don't believe in speaking in tongues, don't believe in the things of the Spirit, they just, they just twist the doctrines. They just try to make it say what it doesn't say at all. You know, we went through that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I showed you how it's clear what it's actually saying. It couldn't be clearer to me. But if you get a twisted mindset about it, if you come at it, approach, if you approach the Scriptures hating speaking in tongues, then you're going to twist it. You're going to make it say what it doesn't say. And... Uh, <laughs> That's just one little thing. There are all kinds of things, like 1 Corinthians 13. That's another twisting that is, that's done. They just make it about our actions rather than about the flow of God in our lives toward people. Amen. Because we are loved. Agape is about being loved. You understand? And they just take that part out because it's not right for you to think you're loved. It's only right for you to think you're supposed to love. You hear the difference? It's just that, just that little twisting of, of doctrine, and they just make all kinds of things up. Sometimes my students will say, well, Dr. Holler, don't you think? I said, no, you just made that up. You just made that up. Well, I was reading a book. I said, was it, was it Galatians, Ephesians, or Philippians? I, don't, I, don't, I didn't find that in there. Was it one of those books? No, Dr. So-and-so. I said, I couldn't care less about what Dr. So-and-so says. I have, I have no honor in that at all. I have no respect for that at all. Read it if you want to, but you're going to lose arguments with me because I keep reading that black book. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. That black book will straighten you out. Your doctrines won't be twisted if you keep reading that black book, especially that part that was specifically written to you, which was all a Pauline doctrine. Amen.
See, you're going to get an excellent spirit this way. The holiness that comes from you is not going to be man-made. It's going to, be, it's going to come directly from heaven. Hallelujah. And now you won't be trying to resist doing things. You just won't even be thinking about doing those things. I'm not saying you're there today. I'm saying you're going there as you lean on, rely on, trust in, cling to the spirit that's in you because he is holy. Can I have a good amen? amen. Now, number 28 is this. It is the will of God for everyone to be saved, healed, and prosperous. It is the will of God for everyone to be saved, healed, and prosperous. That is not the Lord's will for any, of, any, any human being not to be saved. It's not the will of the Lord for anybody to go around constantly sick. It's not the will of God for us all to live broke lives, never able to make it. It is not God's will. I'm not saying you particularly are out of God's will because you, you're sick or you're broke. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that God doesn't want you to stay there. And if you have, or if you find yourself in that condition, it, you are under an attack of some kind, either from the devil or from circumstances or from some of your own stupid decisions. How many of you made a few of those? Come on, I've made a few of those. Yeah, <clears throat> you, you're, 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 you're under that. But that wasn't God's will for you to be there. It's not God's will for you to stay there. And I'm not saying that in order to bring condemnation on you. I'm saying that so to give you hope that God is on your side getting you out of that. You can use your faith and believe that God's, God's for me. I, he don't want me to stay here where I am. I may be here for a night, but I'm not staying here all next day, praise God. I'm coming up and I'm coming out. Hallelujah. Amen. I might have used to been stupid, but I'm not stupid today. Amen. 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 It's the will of God for you to live in prosperity and live in health and live in the salvation that Jesus died for you to have. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. Miss Ann already quoted one of my verses. She didn't even know I was going to use it today, but 3 John verse 2. Let's, let's have a look at that. 3 John verse 2. 3 John verse 2 says, I wish above all things... Beloved, that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He didn't lay that as a condition. He's saying that their souls were prospering. And he said, and so it's the will of God and my wish as well as the apostle speaking the will of God in this says that God wants them to prosper just like their soul is prospering. As your soul is prospering, amen, the Lord wants your body to prosper, your finances to prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is anything wrong with that? Anything wrong with believing that God wants you to prosper? He doesn't want you to want to always having to be received, receiving the offerings. He wants you to have, be the one who can give the offerings. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Amen. I want to be one that can write the check. I like, re I like receiving. How many of you like receiving a check? Come on. Pray. I, I like it when, you know, I, 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 all, all through the years, I had this one guy. I had this one guy. who was the sweetest guy. Naming Raymond De La Garza. Raymond's this great, big old, old-fashioned Mexican guy from southwest Texas. He's a great big man, and he loved fishing, and he, had, and he made a lot of money. He, he hadn't just swam the river. I mean, he, 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 he had some money. He'd been here a while, you know, had a, and he was just a really, really wonderful man of God, close friend to me. He would not let me go on vacation. Anytime I announce that, folks, Miss Ann and I, we're going to go catch a plane. We're going on vacation, and we're not going to be able to, to, to stay and visit today. But please, we're just going to go out the side doors. And Boy, Raymond couldn't take that. He couldn't take that. 
He'd go out the front doors of the church and come run around. We'd always try to sneak out the side door and I'd park my car right there and then take off, you know. Wait, pastor, pastor, come here. He chased me down and put a wad of money in my hand. He said, hey, you might need that on your vacation. I said, you got that right, I just might. I didn't even know I had that need, Raymond. God bless you. Huh? I mean, I like it. Don't you like it? Somebody passes you a little extra money now and then. That's all right. It's all right. It's a blessing. I never say, oh, God, please don't do this to me. <laughs> no, you know it's not a curse. It's a blessing. You jumping up and down, you, you kiss a man on the face. Fellas, if he's shoving $100 bills in your face, I mean, you, you, you'll kiss him before you even know you have kissed him. And then later you wish you hadn't, but <laughs> you'll have the money by then. <laughs> Glory to God. But I think, I think we ought to be just as excited about being used of God to put that money in somebody's hand. Put that money in somebody's head. You know, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Can I ask you how you know that? Have you read Matthew? Have you read Mark? If you've read Luke and John, you find that Jesus didn't say that in those four books. It's not in there. It's not in Matthew. It's not in Mark. It's not in Luke. It's not in John. Jesus told that to Paul. Paul told us that. As the Lord has said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Matthew never heard him say that, apparently. Mark never heard him say it. John and Luke, they didn't hear him say it. John heard him say everything, but didn't hear him say that. This is something Jesus said from heaven to the Apostle Paul to tell us. Come on, somebody say amen. This is good right here. The greater blessing is in the giving. Amen. So that's why he wants you to be prosperous. Because he wants to talk to you about giving. So he can prosper you more. Amen, amen, amen. My kids appreciated what I gave them last Christmas. But this Christmas still came. They appreciated what I did for them last year. But they were still looking for this Christmas. And guess what? They're looking for next Christmas now. You understand? It, the Lord wants there to be a cycle in your life. This giving and receiving, this prosperity. All right, I've said enough about that. Praise God. Did I, did I hurt your feelings with it too much? All right. An excellent spirit will come from it. Number 29. Did I get 28? Yeah, 29. Loving God is done best by filling your mind and life with the Word of God. Loving God is done best... <laughs> By filling your life and mind with the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 35, let's go to 35, maybe 36, but let's just start with 35. Matthew 22, 35, Jesus says something powerful. When he is asked by one of these scribes or a lawyer, he's called also. Matthew 22. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, so he's tempting Jesus to try to get him twisted up in the scriptures. Tempted him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? This scribe is thinking Jesus is going to go to one of the ten and try to make one of the ten more important than the other so they could use it as a weapon against him. But he didn't even go to Exodus chapter 20. 
He went to Deuteronomy chapter 6. What? What? He went straight to Deuteronomy chapter 6. The most important scripture in the Old Testament. This is it. Deuteronomy 6, 5. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Huh. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6, 5 and read it. Jesus said, Heart, soul, and mind. I think it's interesting that he said heart, soul, and mind. Because in Deuteronomy 6, 5, well, that's verse 3. Verse 5 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy... Look what it says there. Might. So what that tells us is, Jesus believed that might was really in your mind, not in your body. He didn't misquote it. He's the one that wrote this, too, remember? So he knew exactly what he was saying. He was just translating it for, for the New Testament day. Your real strength is not in your flesh, is not in your might, is not in your body. Your real strength, your real might is in the spirit and in your mind. Okay? That's how Jesus quoted it. But look, look, look at verse 6. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. Verse 7. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and talk, shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. They shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. It's kind of cool to me that Jesus picked this passage of Scripture to say it was the most important thing. To love God. And then right behind that, what he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then he, then he said in verse 6, and these words which I speak to you shall be in your heart. So what he's saying is that in order to truly love God, you have to get the word of God in you. Yeah, to love God with all your heart, your heart and life and mind have to become consumed with what God is saying. It's hard to love somebody if you've never heard them say anything. You learn to love people by how they talk to you. Young fellows, I'm telling you something, how to, win a, how to win a girl. Be careful how you talk to her. Old men, I'm telling you how to keep the girl. Be careful how you talk to her. Because love follows words. Woo! I know in the day of Instagram, we think it follows pictures, but that's a real, that's a real thin kind of love. Yeah, that's a real thin kind of love. But the love that lasts, the love that helps your life, is the love that comes with words. 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 Words of power. Words of grace. Words of love. Words of commitment. Words of now, you know, I'm not saying you're going to win everybody. Some people are just stupid. They're going to do what they want to do. God loves the whole wide world, and still there's going to be people, you know, that don't receive it. You, you pour out your love to, to some people, and they're just going to walk away anyway. But let me say to you, if they want to be with you, how you, ha how you make it work is with words. 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 God, loving God is done best by filling your life and mind with the Word of God. 
I think this is powerful. Did you notice in that prescription how many points it had? The prescription for loving God and the Word, it being in your heart. First, in your heart. Second, teach your children. Third, talk about it when you're sitting in the house. Fourth, talk about it when you're traveling. Fifth, talk about it when you go to bed. Sixth, talk about it when you get up. Seventh, talk about it by keeping or keep it in your hand. Number, number eight, wear it as jewelry, frontlets between your eyes. Number nine, decorate your house with it. And number ten, at the entry of your property. Ten times. Ten things, he said. This is powerful. And don't think that this, this lawyer, this scribe, didn't know the passage Jesus was talking about. He didn't go to Exodus 20 where the Ten Commandments were listed. He went to Deuteronomy chapter 6 where love was talked about, and there were Ten Commandments there too, but they're all love commandments about the Word of God. Amen. Getting in relationship with God and hearing what He has to say. Dutch Sheets teaches our students at Christ for the Nations Sometimes he'll just cancel classes and keep them in there all morning and lead prayer. Just cancel classes and have our students stay in there and lead in violent kinds of prayer. And then he'll say, all right, now we're going to take 30 minutes. And you're going to sit quietly and meditate and let the Lord talk to you. Get your journals out. Get your pens out. Get your computers out and start writing because he's going to speak to you. Dutch is a writer. He's a He's an ex expert in, in the ministry of prayer as well, but he also writes. And this is how he does it. He writes fabulous books. He, he wrote one bestseller, Intercessory Prayer, that sold a million copies. New York Times bestseller list. You know how he does it? He prays intensely and then waits and lets God talk back to him and writes it down. Training our students. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that just marvelous? Meditation, just listening for what part of prayer is listening to what God has to say. Let him have a chance. Take a breath, please, and let him speak. Amen. He'll say, get your Bibles out. He may speak to you through the Scriptures. Yeah, he may. If you fill your heart and mind with what God is saying, with what God is saying in the general, then he'll use that and speak to you real specific-like. This is how you love him. He wants you to have conversation with him. If you never get to have conversation with the people you love, you don't feel loved by them. You just don't feel loved by them if you don't have conversation with the people that you love. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Loving God is done best by filling your mind and life with the Word, which is operating in an excellent spirit. And number 30, I'm going to finish with this today. Can you take one more? Yes. All right. Then we'll have three more next week, and we'll be done with this series. Number 30 is, if you are not under authority, you cannot have great faith. If you are not under authority, you cannot have great faith. Would you put up Matthew chapter 8 and verse 10 for me, Miss Whitney? Matthew 8, 10. I know she's writing this out. She's writing this point out for you. If you are not under authority, you cannot have great faith. Matthew 8, 10 says, When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Let me tell you the story. A Roman centurion comes to him, but stands off in a distance. Now, Matthew doesn't tell it this way, but Luke does. So here's what actually happened. The Roman centurion rode up, and he knows he doesn't talk to the Jew directly, not a rabbi. 
He sends his Jewish servants to talk to Jesus, and Jesus talked back and forth to the servants. But it says he was speaking to the centurion, so a mouthpiece is the same as the, the person. So he sends, a, he sends his servant over to Jesus, and it says, my servant is, lies at home grievously uh, uh, sick of the palsy. And it doesn't even ask him to come and heal him. Jesus just offers it, I will come and heal him. I will come and heal him. And the centurion says, oh, no, 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 tell him, tell him I'm not worthy to have him in my house. They go back and tell Jesus that. But say this to him. I say to my servant, go, and he goes. To this one, come, and he comes. To that one, do, and he does it. Go, come, and do. And he goes, comes, and does. You just speak the word, my servant will be healed. For I'm a man under authority. And I say, wow, I'm a man where? In authority or under authority? I'm a man under authority, and I say. I'm a man under authority, and I say. Come on, let's say it. I'm a person under authority. Let's say it together. I'm a person under authority, and I say. When you're under authority, you are in the lineage of how God dispenses authority. That means when you're under authority, you're under God's authority. When you're not under authority, you're not under God's authority. All authority comes from God. Governmental authority, family authority, church authority, all authority comes from God. And you have to be under authority to be in God's authority. You can, uh, because when you're under authority, you can add that last piece. And I say. I say. I don't say Caesar says. I say I say. Because I'm under Caesar's authority, and I have the right to say on my behalf, I say. Glory to God. Jesus we know, the demon said. I love this part. And Paul we know. But we don't know you. I love that. How'd they know Paul? Because he was a man under Jesus' authority. These other guys were not under Jesus' authority. It's interesting to note that Jesus said this guy had great faith, and the Greek word there is tosutos. Make a friend of it by saying it with me, tosutos. It's T-O-S-O-U-T-O-S, T-O-S-O-U-T-O-S, tosutos, and it means great not in quality but in quantity or in measure, great in measure. Jesus said this guy had a whole bunch of faith. Well, where does this pagan this pig-eating pagan get all this faith. I know. He gets all this faith because he's trained in a certain way. He got all this faith because it was easy for him to believe that God had authority uh, to act on Jesus' word. Just like he had authority to act on Caesar's word, or Jesus had, a, had, had authority to act on God's word, I should say. He had authority to act on Caesar's word, and that Caesar's power would back him up, just like God's power would back up Jesus. This is how faith works, essentially. Knowing that you're loved, and because you are unconditionally loved, when you really deeply know this, then you know that God's authority 
is accessible to you and that what you say, God will back you up. It's impossible to have great faith any other way than to know you are under authority. Whew. Well, you all are in church on one of the coldest days of the year. You're under authority, praise God. If you're not under authority, you cannot have great faith. I want to add something to this, though. It says, and Jesus marveled. Did it not in verse 10, um, Matthew 8, 10? Did it say Jesus marveled or not? Look at Mark 6, 6. Mark chapter 6 and verse 6. Mark 6, verse 6. And he, Jesus, marveled because of their unbelief. And when he went around about at the villages teaching. Listen, he was talking about Nazareth there. I picked these two verses of Scripture out because they represent the only two places where Jesus, it says that Jesus marveled. It's the only two places where he went, wow, 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 did you see that? And that's what marveling means. Why did you see that? Look at, hey guys, come over here. I've not seen this kind of faith in any of you. Oh, nowhere in Israel. You're the, you're the best Israel has. I haven't even seen this kind of faith in you. Oh, you have a little faith. Here's a guy that understands it. Yeah. And the guy had said one thing about faith. He just talked to him about his understanding of how authority works. Yeah. This is good right here. Yeah. What gets my attention is the only way to make Jesus marvel is by expressing your great faith or your great unbelief. Come on, house of faith. What are we going to do? We're going we're to make him marvel because we've got great faith. Praise God. Amen. Amen. This, too, is all connected to that excellent spirit. As we enter into this new year, let's take these truths with us. Take these truths with us. Remember, you were born again by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything you want in life and for this new year simply depends on what you'll let your heart believe on the basis of how much God loves you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for your kindness and your mercy to us. I thank you for this wonderful congregation of people, these dear saints who lay the world aside to be here in your presence, to bring their worship, to bring their fellowship, to bring their finances, to bring their hearts before you, and to hear, thus saith the Lord. Bless them today. Bless them with all good things they need to cause this to be the greatest year they've ever lived. I declare, in the name of Jesus, this will be the greatest year that the river has ever had this will be the greatest year the river christian fellowship has ever had we will have more of all that is good there will be a spirit of revival in this place 
And when we walk in, from now on, I declare that the presence of God is going to reside here. Even as we take him in our hearts with us, something of his presence will reside here so that when people come in, they'll get that dance on their skin. Hallelujah. They'll feel the presence of God just residual in this place. And they won't know why they're drawn here. They'll just want to be here because God is in the house. Hallelujah. And his presence and his love and his mercy flows like Indeed, a river in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Miss Ann, come up here. You got anything you want to say to the people? Oh, yeah. There's something I need to tell you. Let's stand up on our feet. Something I need to tell you. Next Sunday, we're going to have a special guest in. A guy named Joe Outlaw. Joe Outlaw is from Louisiana. He's not really an outlaw. I said, that's a tough name for a preacher. He said, no, no. I'm saved by grace without law. Oh, amen. Okay, so that worked. Joe's going to be here. You want to be here for this. Bring your friends. The guy has depth of revelation that is shocking. He's a lot like Curtis Coker in the way he sees the scriptures. And you will be blessed by this man's ministry. He's going to be here next Sunday morning just for one service. Coming up from Louisiana. Going to be with us for a couple of days. But uh, I, want you to, I want you to be sure you make plans to be here. Joe Outlaw, an unusual man, but you'll, you'll appreciate his ministry. All right? Praise God. He's the first of a few we'll have this year. Not going to have a thousand, but we're going to have a few. It's important in an apostolic network for you to hear lots of voices. You understand that? Okay. Praise God. Miss Ann, Miss Ann's going to be here to pray with you if you have any needs. She'll just make herself available if you have needs today. If you need prayer of agreement or hands laid on you, praise God. You can get what you need from God today. Amen. Father, thank you for your people. Bless them in their going out like you bless them in their coming in. Thank you that you've made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, first, not last. Victors, no longer victims. Thank you, Father dear, that though their enemies come out of them in one direction, they'll just have to flee in seven because we are blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in our basket, blessed in the storehouse, and everything our hand touches prospers. Thank you, Father, that you cause the mountains and the hills to break forth with singing and the trees of the field to clap their hands as the people of God go forth with joy in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Bless you folks. Bless you.